Now, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke, the 10th chapter, that's where we're going to be this morning. I'm not going to be jumping around a lot this morning. So you can just keep your finger there, and that's where we're going to be. And I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to love God and love our neighbor. I know there's a lot of uh, discussion about that and a lot of things that uh, we have ideas about that. And uh, I am on and on, Annie. So we're going to find out what the Bible says about it and use uh, this passage of Scripture, a passage that all of us are familiar with. But hopefully I can, we can kind of look into a little more and hopefully we'll gain something a little different out of it or, or at least maybe a better understanding of these verses. Because all of us need to know what it means to love God and love our neighbor because we're commanded to do it. So I think we're all there, okay? Starting at verse 25. A teacher of the law came up and tried to trap Jesus. They were always trying to trap Jesus, weren't they? Seems like every time Jesus turned around, somebody's around trying to trap him. And you know what? Those same things happen in our lives too. If you're talking to unbelievers or talking to people in the world, they're going to do things to try and trap you. They're trying to catch you up on something that you said. So they say, well, didn't you just say a minute ago that this is what the Bible said? Now, how come it doesn't say it over here? So we've got to realize that we are no different than Jesus is. Well, for, as we're Christians, and we start talking, because when you're a Christian, you talk with authority. See, Jesus talked with authority. If Jesus didn't talk with authority, they wouldn't have bothered with him. wouldn't have mattered. But he had an authority about him. And when we, as Christians, talk about the Lord and we talk about the Bible, there's an authority that we have that we can proclaim because Jesus lives within us through his Holy Spirit. And so that same authority that Jesus has, we have as a believer. And so we need to know that people are going to try and trap us and catch us in something that we say. And we don't need to worry about preparing for all this fancy stuff because Jesus said when those things happen, he's going to give us the words to say. So we don't have to worry about it. And if we don't have anything to say, then let's just keep our mouth shut. That'd be a, that'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? Because sometimes we're trying to, trying to say something that makes sense and nothing's coming and we make a mess of it. Well, don't say nothing. If anything else, say, hey, I don't, know, I don't know, but I'll find out. And then it gives you a chance to come back. So don't worry about that, and don't be surprised when people are trying to trap us, because they're going to do it. So anyway, he said, try to trap Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus hand answered him, what do the scriptures say? How do you interpret them? The man answered, the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said, you are right. Do this and you will live. See, this guy, he, he already knew the answer. Number one, he knew the answer to the question. He didn't quote all the Ten Commandments. He wrapped them up into two. So either he'd heard Jesus say that before, or he was a smart enough man to be able to know that. And that's so we know that this guy was pretty, pretty educated. And we're going to be meeting a lot of people that know the Bible when we talk to them. We're going to know, meet a lot of people that know the Bible. And they're going to be able to understand to a certain degree with a head knowledge of it. They don't have a heart knowledge. This guy didn't have a heart knowledge. If he had a heart knowledge, he wouldn't have to ask the question. But he had a head knowledge. And we're going to deal with people in this whole community that has a head knowledge of a religion. They're going to have a head knowledge of Bible. There's a lot of people like that. And we don't need to let them just kind of uh, discourage us 
Because it doesn't matter. Because, like I said, if Jesus dwells within us, he'll give us the right answer. Because he did the thing that made that guy answer his own question. And we can do the same things. <clears throat> so the first thing we need to know, <clears throat> a man who loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength will never take God's name in vain. Isn't that true? We don't need to worry about a lot of those commandments if we love God. We'll never take his name in vain. We'll never place anything above God. And we'll never, and we'll all remember the, the Lord's day to keep it holy. We don't need to worry about those things. Because when we love God, we're going to do that. Isn't that true? We don't have to think about it. We're going to do it. And not only are we going to keep the Lord's day holy, we're going to keep every day holy. See? As Christians, we're not responsible just to keep the, whole, the Sabbath day holy. We have to keep them all holy. Every day of the week, we're not supposed to do things that God would disapprove of. And if we love God the way that God wants us to love him, we don't have to worry about what's right, what's wrong, because God will tell us. And in our spirit, we'll know, because we love God. And he will influence our lives, and he will change us and make us what we need to be. God isn't just someone that we worship. That isn't what God, who God is. God is a person. God is someone that we can know personally. And that's, you know, that's awesome. We just can't understand the, the great opportunity we have as Christians to know God personally. In the Old Testament, they knew God, but they didn't know him personally like we have the opportunity to do. They had to go through a priest. They had to get all their questions answered somewhere else. They didn't even have a copy of God's word. All they had was the Ten Commandments, and I'll bet every single one of them knew them. And if you were a Jewish young man, by the time you were 13, you could quote the whole first five books of the Bible because that was part of your bar mitzvah. But that's all they had. That's all the Bible that they had. That's all the knowledge that they had, except for what the prophets told them. But us, man, we have the whole Bible. We have the beginning, and we even have the end of it. So we have it all. Now, if we don't know it, then it's, it's our own fault. But God is someone that wants to know us. I mean, I'm excited that I get to know God, but I don't know why God wants to know me. Why does God want to know me? Poor little old me with all my flaws and all the things in my life. Why does he want to bother with me? I don't know. But that's what love is. See, love is the, uh, God is the epitome of love because he loved us so much that he gave his only son to die in our place. He loved us so much that he wanted to be to fellowship with us. And he couldn't do that because of our sin. If God got close to us in our sinful state, it'd kill us. Because sin is poison. It's poison to our lives, and it, it's poison between the relationship between us and God. So God loved us so much, he wanted to have a relationship with us. So he had to do something about it. And that's why Jesus came, and that's why he died on a cross, so he could have that relationship renewed. So when we come to God, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. And it's that armor of Jesus that protects us from God's holiness and God's righteousness. And it's that that helps us to be able to have that relationship with God. That's what it's all about. And that's what love does. When you love your kids, you'll do anything you can for that kid. And that's what God does for us. It doesn't matter if my kids need me. Man, I'm there. When they were little and they... they scratched their knee or fell down or hurt themselves. Man, I'm right there trying to love it better. And that's what God did with us. He loved us better. But the only problem is we have to be able to accept that love because God doesn't force himself on me or on you. 
Now, my kids, when they were little, and my dogs, they'll come to me. They'll jump up in my lap. Of course, my dogs love everybody, so it isn't whatever. But they, my kids will come up, and they're not afraid of me. They come up. They get up in my lap when they were little. They didn't have no problem. But, man, the neighbor's kids didn't. They were strangers. They ain't going to come close to me. Anyway, if parents raise their kids right, they're not. <laughs> if your kids are that way with strangers, then we need to do something about that. <clears throat> of course, when I was a little girl, we didn't have all those issues. And I loved men from the time I was a little girl. And I wanted to get up and I wanted to sit in their laps and I wanted to hug on them and love on them and that. That was just the way I was when I was a little girl. Can't do that now. Now you have to teach your kids, no, you don't do that. No, you don't do that. But God loves us and he wants us to climb up in his lap and he wants to love us, love on us, and he wants to hold us and, and, and tell us how much he loves us. But see, God just doesn't tell us how much he loves us like he does in his book. He showed us how much he loved us. He didn't just say, let words do it. Of course, the word became flesh. Those words of love became flesh. And it was those words of love that died on a cross for our sin. Because he loved us so much. He loved us to death. The death of the cross. That's what Jesus did for us. So he showed us what love was. So we can understand love. And we're supposed to love him with all of our heart. Now, our heart, that's the emotional part of us. Now, I know there's people in here, and there's probably people all over says, I'm not the emotional type. <clears throat> you heard that? I'm not the emotional type. Oh, yeah? If I gave you the keys to a brand-new Cadillac, paid for, it, paid for, you'd show some emotion. It wouldn't be, oh, well, thank you very much. I think I'll just mosey on out here and look at this little car that you gave me. Uh-uh. Man, we'd be grabbing those keys, we'd be jumping up and down, and we'd be loving them, and we'd be running out there and trying to get the key in the slot, and we'd be so excited we couldn't even get it in there. But I'm not the emotional type. <clears throat> or go to a ball game and see these non-emotional people, how they act. Oh, they got a basket. Oh, they missed one. You want to see excitement and emotional at a, at a ball game? Come to my house. I'm not kidding you, we yell at the TV, we yell at the refs. And <laughs> my husband's worse than I am, I'll have you know. Sometimes I just enjoy watching him get excited and get upset, and you know. And it's all, but the only thing is, we only get excited about the teams we want to win, isn't it? I don't care if it's a game I don't care about. He can sit there, you know, doesn't matter to him, but he don't care if the team wins. But if it's his team, if it's the one he's rooting for, do you get emotional at your penguins, do you? You get excited when they get a goal? Goal, yay! <laughs> Playoffs, yay, all right. It's so exciting. But I'm not the emotional type when I come to church. I can't. <clears throat> can't do that. I'm sophisticated now, don't you know? You're sophisticated. We're too so sophisticated to say praise the Lord or amen or hallelujah. We're too sophisticated. But God says you're supposed to love him with all of our emotion. So if we don't have an emotion, then how can we love God with all our emotion? Because that is our heart. That is what we are. It's our emotion. It makes, us, uh, it makes up our being. We are an emotional being, and God made us that way. And we can't take God for granted any more than you can a marriage. If you take your marriage for granted, guess what happens? You start having problems because you have to nurture it, and you have to do things in order for it to work. Isn't that true? Now, we don't have these highs all uh, every day. We don't have all these highs and these, we have these lows. We have highs and lows in relationships. But with God, we, God offers us the same kind of emotional response to us every day. And it's a high emotional response. 
We're the ones that, if we're not excited about something and we can't get into worshiping God when we can some other days, we have to ask ourselves what changed. He's still the same God. He's still the same Savior that died on the cross. So if we can't get into the emotional aspect of it, then it's us that's changed. So we have to do something to get our emotions involved. Before I pray, you know, I'll sit there and be doing all this stuff, and then I'll go in to pray, and I have to get something to get me out of the, the worldly mode. So I put on some music, and I start singing some praise and worship songs. That's why praise and worship songs are so important, because they, they help us to get in the spirit of worship. They help us change our attitude and to be able to worship God, because we want to love God with all our heart, with all our emotions that we, we possess. All the heart means an exclusiveness. Now, I have a love for my husband that I don't share with anyone else but him. Isn't that true? If you're married, that's, that's the case. If you're not exclusive, that's why we're having a problem. Why is divorce so rampant in our country? Because their relationship isn't exclusive. They have other things that are more important. And they let those things kind of wiggle away in their, into their lives. And they wake up one day and they say, what happened? Well, what happened? You started taking each other for granted. You started doing things you shouldn't do or not caring about the other or not caring about their needs. But if we do that and we're exclusive with that and we don't allow that to happen, well, God, it requires exclusiveness too. You can't love anybody else more than God. You can't love basketball more than God, football with God, or even hockey. <laughs> can't love anything more than God. That's where Israel got in so much trouble. They weren't, weren't exclusive in their worship to God. They allowed their neighbors, they allowed other nations to bull them into adultery. And that wasn't God's will for their life. And as soon as God isn't an exclusive in your life, you're starting to backslide. So we have to nurture that relationship and we have to do things because that's what God wants us to do. Because we're supposed to love him with all our emotions, with everything that is in us. And the love I have for my husband causes me to do things for him. Maybe that I don't want to do. It causes me to go places maybe I don't want to go. And I do a lot of things for him because I love him. No other reason. And that's what God wants us to do. For God, we're supposed to be willing to do things for him that we may not want to do. Maybe go places we aren't willing to go. That's what God wants us to do, too, if, we're, if he's exclusive in our lives. That's what we have to do. That's what God's called us to do. And that's what happens when we're loving him with all our emotions. We are to love God with all of our soul, all thy soul. Now, the soul, that's our identity. That's our personality. That's who we are individually of everyone else. Now, you can have mirror twins that are identical twins, and you couldn't tell them apart if you wanted to. But they have different personalities. They're raised in the same environment, exactly born the same time, everything. But you get to know them, and you're going to find out they're different. They're individuals. They just happen to look the same. And God created each one of us as individuals. He took the time to make every snowflake you've ever seen in your whole life different. So why in the world would he make all of us the same? We're supposed to love God with all our individuality, with our personality, with who we are. Our personality, that's our fears, our anxieties, our hopes, our dreams, everything that makes us different. That's, what, that's part of our personality. But our soul is intimacy also. 
There's a part of my soul or my personality or of who I am I don't share with just anyone. I share a certain amount of who I am with friends, strangers. But the closer the relationship gets to my husband, the more intimate I am with them. I'm more intimate with my family than I am with people I don't know. And that's the same for you. But I'm very intimate with my husband because that's my second top, that's my number two relationship that I have to nurture and I have to do. The number one is God. God has to come first, then my husband. And God wants us to share every intimate part of us with him. We don't have to do things with God. We have to do with everyone else. We put on a mask sometimes when we're talking to people, and we have all these things that we try to hide because we don't want them to know some of the things that are going on in our heart. We're saying, oh, you look so nice. In reality, think, man, I can't believe you put that thing on today. <laughs> you actually paid good money for that? <laughs> I know. No one's ever said that or thought that before. But see, with God, we don't have to do that. I've come to God, and I say, God, I'm having a bad day. I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to pray. I don't feel like it. Or I'm mad because I didn't get my own way. And I throw myself on the floor, and I kick, and I scream, and I say, God, why did you do this? Or why didn't you do this? I know none of you people ever do that, right? But I might as well tell God that and be honest with him because he already knows. See, I don't have to hide anything from God. I don't have to, and I'm glad I don't have to because we have to be real with someone in our life. And we have to be real with God. And if we got situations and things in our life that we're trying to overcome, the only way we're going to overcome them is by admitting them. Now, I can't admit everything that's going on in my heart to people. Can you? There's some things in my life that might disappoint people. <laughs> but with God, I don't have to. I can peel off that mask and I say, God, this is what I am. Because you already know. You created me. You're responsible for what I'm becoming as long as I give my life to you. So I can tell God anything. I can tell God all those ugly things that I couldn't say to anyone else. And then I ask God, please forgive me for thinking them. Because if we think them, God said it's almost it's as bad as saying them. The only difference is that if you say it, then you've got two things to confess before God. Because you've hurt someone's feelings or something. So... <laughs> But we can tell God everything because he knows it, and it's not hidden from him. He knows it. And we can't leave God's presence different if we're not honest with him. If we have a fear that we want God to remove, we have to admit that fear. If we have an addiction that we have, we need to admit that we have an addiction or we're having a problem with sin or we're having a problem with, with such and such. We need to admit that to God because then when we admit it, then guess what? It's out there in the open. You don't ignore the elephant in the room, but you deal with it. And God says, I will deal with it. But see, if we try to hide things from God, God will deal with them in another way. And we won't like it. When you're raising your kids, if you don't want them to do something, yeah, and you can, you can make sure that they don't do it. Or make them very sorry that they did. And that's the same thing in our lives. But we can come to God and we can just let it be ourselves and let... Let the individuality that God made us be seen. And God will help us to be able to get all those things out once, that we, uh, once we are willing to give it to God. We're supposed to love God with all our strength. 
Now, I know that thinks, oh, with all my strength, all the strength that I have, you know, I'm going to go lift this thing up. That's what it means. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true. But it means effort. I'm going to love God with all my effort. I'm going to do whatever I can to love God. And sometimes it's not easy to, to do things, is it? We need that strength. But if we love God with all our strength and we give him all of our effort and say, I'm going to do everything I can to love God, I'm going to take the steps necessary to love God. And that means coming to church. Even though it would be nice to sleep in. Or even though the game's on today that I'm missing. But you know what? We have VCRs. We have recorders. We have DVRs that we don't have to worry about. So we have no excuse. <laughs> but it takes effort on our part. It takes effort to come out on Wednesday night. It takes effort to, to be faithful to God's house. It takes an effort to serve God. And we're supposed to love God with all of our strength, all the effort that we can possess to do that. And we do it every day. You have to have the strength of the effort to show up for work every day. If you don't, you won't have a job. You have to put forth the effort to clean your house every day, or guess what? It's going to be dirty. My maid doesn't show up at my house. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> So if, if we don't clean, of course, Randy does, a lot of, does the vacuuming stuff because all that stuff is, it's not women's work in case you were wondering. <laughs> but you have to put forth effort. If you want a clean house, you've got to put effort into it. If you want to be a good cook, you have to put the effort into it. I never claimed to be a good cook or a good baker. I, my motto is, if, why bake if you can buy? There's a perfectly good bakery in town. Why in the world do I want to go through all that work? But some people, they like that kind of thing. But if you don't put the effort into cooking, if you don't put the effort into doing things, guess what? You're not going to be very good at it. So if you want to be a good Christian and you want to love God, you've got to put effort into it. Put all of your strength into it. And then when you, then you do that, then God blesses you. And you love God more. And you're finding that it isn't so much effort to fight off sin. You're not as tempted to do something else. You don't need as much effort to not do something as you used to. Why? Because you're putting all your effort into loving God. And when you love God and you put effort into it, he gives you the strength to say no. So that's what's the benefit of it. And he gave us the greatest example of his love because he gave. He put forth the greatest effort. And anyone that doesn't think it was an effort for Christ to come on this earth and die, you're sadly mistaken. I'll tell you, leave all the riches in heaven behind and come to this world. I mean, it's a gorgeous place. And it's really a nice place if you've got lots of money. Man, you, I've seen some of those places that people live in. I think, wow, what would it be like? But Jesus left everything behind. And it was a big effort for him to walk these, this earth. And it was a great effort for him to die on a cross for our sin. So anyone doesn't think that Jesus put effort into everything, they're mistaken because Jesus put all kinds of effort into him. And he doesn't ask anything from us that he hasn't done. Because it's easier to say, you know, you accept something that someone says that I understand what you mean. I've been there. Doesn't that mean more to you than somebody that's just guessing? I hate people that quote scriptures to me. When I'm going through something, they quote all these scriptures, but they don't have a clue what it's like. If you've never lost a child and you're trying to tell somebody you understand how they feel, you don't. But Jesus understands everything. 
God lost a child. God lost a son. And he had to let him die. If your salvation was dependent upon my kid, guess what? You have no hope. I'm not giving my kid for anybody. But God loved us that much. And they put the effort into it. So God wants us to return that effort and to take all the steps necessary to be able to love him with all our heart. We're to love God with all our mind. Now mind, that's our intellect. That's up here. And that's where most of the battle that we have as Christians start. This is where temptation is first happens, is in here. It enters through the eye if we're watching stuff that we haven't, we're not supposed to be watching, or reading stuff we're not supposed to be reading. It enters through the eye and then goes into the mind. And the mind stores everything. God says, I want you to love me with all your mind, with all your intellect. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to watch things that you should be watching. I want you to do things to put into your mind, hear things that are going to be good for you. Love me with all your mind. And when we put the stuff in there, and that's what we put in there, then all of a sudden, the more you put in here, the other stuff you have to get rid of, don't you? you got a computer, and it may have a lot of giga memory in it. But if you keep filling that thing up, filling that thing up till it's full, sooner or later you have to replace something, don't you? You have to choose what you're not going to keep. And that's what God does when we, love, when we love him with our mind. He puts things in there, and he says, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't need this. So our mind can be free to be able to accept the things that God wants us to do. He wants us to love him with all our intellect. And our emotion is balanced when we love him with our intellect and our emotions. It's balanced. You can't have too much of one and not enough of the other. God balances everything, and that's what Scripture does for us. When we put Scriptures in our heart, it balances us. It keeps us level. It keeps us from being too far one way or the other. I've met a lot of people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Have you met people like that? I want to be heavenly minded, but I want to be earthly good because it doesn't make any difference if I'm living all my life for heaven because I'm living here. And I've got to reach out to people. I've got to be able to help them see the way, the truth, and the life, which is Christ. And Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. And Christ is the truth. And that's what we want to put in our minds. We want to put truth into our minds. So when we love Christ with, our, with our, all our intellect or all our minds, it's going to help us. See, because God knows that. God knows if, he, if we love him with our emotions, if we love him with our mind, and we love him with all our effort, we're going to be more balanced people. And we're going to live happier lives. Now, the next one. We are to love others. Now, if I asked everybody this morning, how do you love, your, how do you love others? Every one of us would probably quote that scripture. With all our hearts, we're supposed to love God and love our neighbors ourselves. We all know that scripture. We're all very familiar with that scripture. But see, there's one thing we miss sometimes there is we're supposed to love ourselves. We miss that. And there's a lot of people today that don't love themselves. So they can't love their neighbors because they don't love themselves. How can they love someone else or know how to love them when they don't love ourselves? There's a lot of people that are going in getting, getting plastic surgery and things because they don't like their nose. And they feel so ugly because their nose is too big or their nose is too small. Or they got wrinkles here. Who knows what it is? Because they don't love themselves. They don't love their appearance. And so they're trying to change it. But the problem is they go have their nose fixed, they go have their eyes fixed or their ears or whatever it is, and they find out they still don't like themselves. Why? Because it's not the external, it's the internal that they don't like. It's the internal person that they are that they don't love. But God says love yourself. 
Because if you don't love yourself, how can you love anyone else? But we have to be careful that we don't let that love for ourselves become selfishness because it's easy to do. And we love ourselves. Most of us don't have a problem with that. We love ourselves. We feed these bodies and we, we, we polish them and we buy nice things for it. We buy nice shoes for our, for our feet and we do all these things because we like ourselves and we want to look good and there's nothing wrong with that. Because if we can't love ourselves, we can never love anyone else because we won't know how. And God wants us to balance that. He wants us to love ourselves. Because when God comes into our life and we feel the first part of it, then God teaches us how to love. And God teaches us how to love us because God loves us. I don't know why, but he does. And no one can love you ever more than God loves us. And I'm valuable to God. I'm very valuable to God. And we need to look at the way God looks at us and see the value that God places in us. He emptied heaven of everything that there was as far as wealth for us. Just for us because he loves us and he wants to associate with us and he wants to fellowship with us and he wants us to live with him in heaven forever so i'm special so we need to start walking around with a with a bouncing our steps say hey man i'm special god loves me well you know what god loves you too and that's the you too that we got to be careful with that's the one that we have to work at because sometimes our love for other people is based upon their status they got money oh we gotta love people with money because maybe they'll leave me some huh wow gotta love them gotta be nice to them cats gotta be careful what i'm saying because you know they might leave me some of their money i don't want to be cut out of the wheel isn't that true or maybe we don't love them because their hair is too long i'm reminded of lucy swindoll that said she went into a a store and she seen this guy there and he had a one of those biker vests on and he had tattoos all over the arms and all over everywhere and whatever, and he had three little kids in the cart looking whatever at the store line up. She says, oh, man, those poor kids, look what they have to do for a father. Oh, man, oh, look at that guy. Oh, man, what a wretched, what a whatever he was. Just going on in her mind about judging this guy about that. And all of a sudden, you know, he gets, she's behind him in the checkout line, and the checker asks him, how's your wife? And he says, oh, my wife's getting along better. She's starting to feel a little better, so I figured I'd give her a break and, and come and do the shopping and take the kids with me and, and uh, you know, those kind of things. And all of a sudden, she says, oh, man, that, all of a sudden, my opinion of that guy changed. Hey, this is a good guy. He's a good father. He loves his wife. He loves his children. He cares enough to give his wife some time. But that's the way we are. We judge people before we even know them. And it's hard, once we have our ma- mind made up, to know somebody, isn't it? I remember one time when I, when I was younger, long time for Randy, and I was with this guy, and oh, man, he was so handsome. Oh, I thought, man, I'd just love to go out with him. And so I finally got to go out. We went to Lagoon. And oh, man, it was on to the school day that they go to Lagoon. And man, I thought, oh, wow, I'm so excited to go to Lagoon. And I'll tell you, by the end of that day, I could hardly wait to get out of the way from that guy because he's the ugliest guy I ever met. Have you met people like that? He's so handsome. They're so good on the outside, but then you get to know them, and they're so ugly in here. They're ugly in here. There are a lot of people that are like that. But see, we look at the outside. But see, God looks at the heart. And when we love God and we allow him to love through us, then he makes us pretty on the inside. And I've met a lot of what people, the world would consider ugly people. I've met a lot of them. I might even be one. <laughs> That's good, honey. Very good answer, honey. Good answer. <laughs> And then we meet him, we start visiting with him, we get to know him, we think, man, that's the most beautiful person I've ever met. Isn't it? Have you met people like that? 
Well, see, that's what God wants to do to all of us. God wants to make all of us so beautiful that it just, we're just drawn. People are just drawn to us. See, they're drawn to the beauty within us, not the external beauty, because that external beauty, you know, when you get older, it's, you start losing it. If you ever had it, if I ever had it, I've been losing it for a long time. <laughs> and if you're young and those kind of things, that, you know, it's great, but wait till you get my age. You're going to start looking and say, man, what happened to that woman I used to be? What happened? What happened to my figure? <laughs> what happened? Look at those clothes. How did I ever get into those? Do you have those? I keep the only ones with anything. One of these days, maybe, by a miracle, I'm going to be able to get them on again. One day. You know, I try once in a while. If I lose a couple pounds, I go in there and run. Okay, see if I put that on. If you do that, no, just I know, just I, just I do that. <laughs> But God wants us to be beautiful on the inside. And when we're beautiful on the outs, inside, then our life changes. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't lie to him, right? Of course, we do lie to ourselves sometimes, don't we? When I look in the mirror and I see somebody else in there, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> oh, it don't look that bad. Yes, it does. <laughs> You won't steal his possessions. Isn't that true? If you love him, you won't steal, your, steal their possessions. You won't cheat him in business. Ah. A lot of people say it's just business. Nothing personal, just business while I'm stealing you blind. But if we love our neighbor, we won't steal from him. And that means it worked, too. That means that if, if, if the company bought 12 pens or 100 pens, doesn't mean that, that one is you're entitled to take it home. Just one pen. Ooh, I know I'm meddling now. You won't violate their marriage. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't violate their marriage because you love them. You don't do anything intentional to hurt someone else if you love them. Isn't that true? You'll, I know there's a thing that says you only hurt the ones you love. Well, you usually don't do it intentionally. But if you're cheating people and you're lying to them, you're doing that intentionally. But we won't do that if we love someone. We're all, seems like we're on a remote island. We live our lives like that, don't we? I know in Colorado, we lived like, you know, the yards are so close. I mean, we hated going out on the, the back patio and, and barbecuing hamburgers and that because you feel like you're eating in front of the neighbors, don't you? feel like you're obligated, you know, somebody's sitting around watching you eat. So they're, they're close together. But we're all like, we, we live like we live on islands. We don't know our neighbors. We don't communicate with them because we don't want anything to do with them. We're all basically want to, I just want to keep to myself. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to do anything. I remember here a few years ago, there was a guy named Cash, and he had his friend Jeremy Schaumer, Schaumeyer or something like that. And they went to Las Vegas. And while they was in Las Vegas, this Jerry guy, he followed a little seven-year-old girl into the bathroom. And while he was in there, he proceeds to rape her. And his friend walks in, Cash walks in, and he sees it, and he, you know, kind of half-heartedly tried to rescue the little girl, but figured, ah, it's not that big a deal, and left. Well, on the way home, he told him, he says, you know, I killed it, I raped and killed that little girl. No big deal. Eventually, he got caught, and he was sentenced and, and admitted that he had killed this little girl. And he ended up, of course, going to prison, but nothing happened to Cash. Why? Because in Nevada, there's no law that says you have to report a crime. 
And when they interviewed him, he says, you know, I didn't know that little girl. She was nothing to me. Didn't affect my life at all one way or the other. Although the whole world was appalled at the situation of what happened, but isn't that how we live our lives? How many times do we hear, well, I just didn't want to get involved. I didn't report a crime because I didn't want to be involved. I didn't do this because I didn't want to be involved. Well, guess what? God wants us to be involved. God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when you love someone, you're going to be involved with them and with their lives, aren't we? I can't just say, I love my husband. I have to show it. And how do I show it? Cooking his meals, cooking the things that he likes and trying not to burn them. And when I do burn them, he eats them anyway. Why? Because he loves me. And he used to be an environmentalist, and he says that I have to eat it because it's hazardous waste if I throw it away. So, <laughs> But there are things we do if we love someone. We can't help it. Love has to have some kind of avenue or some venue to show it. Now, when, we were, when I first met my husband, man, I'll tell you, we used to talk on the phone for hours. We used to do all kinds of things, you know, and oh, man, you know, remember, remember those days? I know it's a long time for some of us that our little hearts go flutter, 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 pitter-patter. Oh, man, oh. But then something happened, and that's called life. So then we have to stir up those emotions. We have to, when they come home, we have to run and kiss them and hug them and say, oh, I'm glad you're home. Maybe some days, maybe we're not glad they're home. But that's the emotion part. We've got to love them. We've got to do something. We have to express our love. And we have to do those kind of things if we want to nurture that relationship. So if you love someone, you're going to find some way to express that love. And that's the same thing with God. If we love God and we love our neighbors, we're going to have to express that love. If we love our neighbors and we know that they're struggling, if they need something done, then we're supposed to go help them. Why? Because we're supposed to love them. If we had something we were struggling with, we'd want somebody to come help us, wouldn't we? So that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to ignore things. He wants us to be able to be involved. He wants us to do things that we can do to show them that we love them. Because when we help people out and we show love to them, guess what? They're going to start wondering, what is different about you? What is it about you that's different? No one else cared if my, if my dog got sick or my dog died. Nobody else cared, but you came. You came and you, maybe you, you come and talk to me or maybe you got me a card or maybe you did something else. Why? Because we want to show love. We want to love our neighbor. We would want somebody to, to help us if we're struggling. And so that's what we want to do. For everything that we need in our life at those times that we would want someone to do for us, that's what we want to do for others. And God helps point out those things. Now, we know that right after this story, we have the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we know what happened. Let me see if I can skip down. I don't know where I'm at. I don't need to read the... Oh, I'll just read it. I can't find the verse I'm looking for. In 29, I'll just read it real fast. But the teacher of the law wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And we get in that discussion too, don't we? Who's our neighbor? Who are the ones I'm supposed to help? Just the ones in the church. Just the ones that are next door on my right side. Don't want to hurt to help the one on the left because, you know, their kids are always rowdy and they're always running around half naked and... Their hair is all messed up, so I'll just love the ones on the right side. So Jesus said, there once was a man. There was a certain man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him, and beat him, leaving him half dead. 
It so happened that a priest was going down that road, but when he saw the man, he walked on on the other side. In the same way, a Levi also came there, went over and looked at the man, then walked on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling that way came up on the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. He went over and poured oil on, and wine on his wounds and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own animal and took him in the inn where he took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Take care of him, he told the innkeeper, and when I come back this way, I will pay you whatever you spend on him. And Jesus concluded, in your opinion, which of these act three acted like a neighbor toward the man attacked by the robbers? The teacher of the law answered, the one who was kind to him. Jesus replied, go then and do likewise. Now this is one of the most familiar parables that we have in the Bible. They've got hospitals, Good Samaritan Hospital. They've got Good Samaritan Clubs and, you know, all these other kind of things to be good neighbors. So we understand that. But what, we need to figure out which one of these guys are we. Are we the religious person that don't want to, you know, just seize it and just kind of walk the other direction because we don't want to get involved? Because that was the religious guy. That's what religion wants to do. I'm only going to help you if you belong to my congregation. I'm only going to help you if you're Assembly of God. I'm only going to help you if you're Baptist. I'm only going to help you if you're LDS. It doesn't matter. Those are the only ones I'm helping. Well, God addressed that one. Then we have the other guy that was just kind of, he kind of, just a little curious. He was a Levite. He was of the religious order, even though he wasn't a priest. He was a little bit curious, so at least he went and looked at him to see what the problem was, and then realized, well, he's not my kind. I don't know who he is. I don't care, so he left. But then the Samaritan, the dirty dogs of the day, those are the ones nobody wanted anything to do with. He's the one that had compassion upon him. All three of them responded in different ways, but only one responded with compassion and reacted. It's not enough for us to just respond and say, oh, I feel sorry for them. Oh, what a tragedy for them. If we can respond in some way to help them, whether it means going, in, going out of our way to do something, because this guy did. He went the extra mile. He did things that wasn't required of him. He wouldn't have gotten in trouble if he had just walked on by like everybody else. And we don't know who this guy was. We're not told anything about him. For all we know, he could have been a robber himself and got hurt in a scuffle. We don't know. And he doesn't tell us who he is. Why? Because, hey, it doesn't matter who he was. And we're nowhere in this story are we told whether or not the guy was grateful. Nothing. Nothing said, oh, thank you, good Samaritan. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for spending your good hard-earned money to help me and nursing me back to health. We don't have that either. Because it doesn't matter whether the people that we help, whether the people that we, we try to do something for are grateful. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If we only help the ones that are grateful, he would put it in there, but it isn't. Because when we love God, it's just going to be an automatic overflow. Who isn't God willing to help? Can you think of anybody in this world that God isn't willing to help? Who God doesn't want to change their life? Do you know anybody? I don't. God wants to help every single person we meet on the street. God wants to help them. God wants to influence their life. God wants to save them. God wants them to be in heaven. So it's us. If we love those people, then God can... Let his love flow through us. Because I know that sometimes we, it's hard to love certain people. I know it is. I struggle with it myself sometimes. But see, when we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength, then loving our neighbor kind of just happens. That's why he put that first. Because if we're not doing that, oh, yeah, we're going to do good deeds, and we do a lot of good deeds in America. 
We do too many good deeds sometimes as far as our tax money is concerned because they want to give it to everybody, everybody, except for our own people. So we got people in our own nation that are struggling. Why? Because we try to bribe somebody to like us. And we know we can't buy love. That's why all the rich people in this world that have lots of money have such a hard life. Because they don't know whether they're loving them for who they are or for their money or for what they're going to get out of them. Isn't that true? But see, God doesn't care. Doesn't care why the reason, the rhyme, the reason of our neighbors doesn't matter. God wants us to love them. And we can't do that if we don't love God. But when we do do that, loving our neighbor is an overflow of God's love. His love will flow through us like water through a dam with a spigot open. That's what God wants for our life because he knows it's impossible. We can't do it on our own. We can't love anybody because we're basically selfish. Nobody teaches us how to be selfish. God has to teach us how to love. And we'll say, well, what if I don't feel like it? Do it anyway. Because we act just as if we love somebody to death and then wait then God will let the feelings catch up. Because we don't have to like what we're doing all the time. Maybe we have to smile and go through it. But that's what God wants us to do. And when we do that, we're blessed. We are blessed more than we'll ever know when we're faithful to God's word. And when we allow him to change us and to let his love flow through us. Because there's nothing greater than God loving someone else through us. So when I come to someone else, I may not... I wonder, man, I wonder what it is about me. There's, there's something. I just want to minister to this person. I want to ha- do something. It's that God's love. Because God has compassion on everyone. And that's what we want in our life. Do you love your neighbors this morning as yourself? Do you love God? I want to love God the way that he wants me to love him. And we're going to have to put the strength into it. We're going to have to put the effort into it. We're going to have to put the stuff into our hearts. We're going to have to build that relationship with God that was necessary. And we're not going to get that kind of relationship on Sunday morning. If all we ever talk to God or worship God is on Sunday morning, then that relationship is not going to grow. If you want to have a good relationship with God, it has to be every day. It has to be daily. We have to put things into our life. We have to do it every single day if we want to build that relationship. If I walked around my, ha- my house all week long, except on Sunday, and that's the only day I talked to my husband, I don't think we'd get along very well, do you? And I don't want to ignore somebody that's in the house. Well, Jesus is in the house. And we need to welcome him, and we need to love him. And when we do, that's when we can love him. Love our neighbors as ourselves. When we let God love them. Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to let him love them through us. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just...